Amen. We're so glad you guys are here today. Uh, today is a today's gonna be a great day. You picked a great day to come to church. We're glad you guys are here today. Um, <clears throat> a church got ended after I came this morning and got things going, and then I took off and went over to um, to Paradise Cove because tomorrow night Matt and Whitney are getting married. Let's give them a big hand. And they have a whole squad here. They're from Canada, and there's someone from Utah and West Palm, and they're from literally all over the place. Excited for them, and um, tomorrow's going to be a good day. And uh, Steve and Trish Barrios, let me be the first to introduce to you them today up in the Hope Church. Let's give them a big hand. They got married this weekend. And I'm not preaching today, so here's my CrossFit plug. Not only is Lee LeVette a CrossFit coach, but he also can officiate a wedding. So if you're looking for someone to officiate your wedding, apparently he can now officiate weddings, and he's got one under his belt, which makes him a professional. And so um, he says he hit the ball out of the park, and so I'm not even sure what that means yet. And so um, there's a video, which I'm going to be seeing pretty soon, because i got to validate. I've got to make sure it was a legitimate wedding. <laughs> you guys might not be married. So... Um, I have to check that video for replay, and um, we're glad, we're, glad uh, we're happy for them today, and friends from all um, across the way, there's some of you guys, you're visiting for the very first time, we're really, really glad you guys are here today, and some of you guys, are, um, you're back, and we're glad you're back, um, we're, we're glad you're back, we haven't seen you in a minute, and we're glad for you, hopefully um, everyone's making it through, your teams are winning, and um, I've been a loser for about six games ago, and so I'm just kind of riding out with it, so um, but we're glad you're the, uh, the band today. Some of these guys are, are new faces to you guys. These are some of our friends from, from, um, from Southeastern University and did an incredible job today. And today's going to be a good day. Every uh, once in a while, I met some new people today from Chicago. I was explaining to them that every about six times a year, um, I, I, I take a timeout. I get put in a timeout chair and have to sit and, and listen and, and hear, hear God's word spoken into me. And, and we've said this since day one that every, or I've, you guys have heard me say this, every preacher needs a pastor. Every pastor needs a pastor. And so God has given us three overseers that kind of speak into, into Diana's life. And so they provide accountability for us um, in, our, in our marriage and they check up on our marriage and make sure our marriage is, is on progress. It's progressing and not perfect because there are no perfect marriages, but they make sure that we're progressing and going in the right direction. And they give us financial accountability. They, they look into our, our finances personally and, in through the, and through the churches and make sure that financially that this, this house is in order. We're doing the right things and we're doing the right things. And, and they give spiritual, um, spiritual oversight to us. They, they check on us and our, on our spirituality and see where the church is going. And then also the last, um, and one of the important things too, is that they, they speak into, they make sure that I, that I, that God's given me a vision and they're making sure that I'm walking out that vision, that whatever vision God's put in my heart that I'm sharing with you guys and that we're, we're going, going through that. And so we're thankful to have overseers because without them, um, we, we, we just need that accountability and that friendship. And they, and they also provide friendship for us. And so today we've got one of our overseers with us today. I'm super excited. Can you stand to your feet and can you guys welcome Pastor Joey to preach to us today? Come on, put your hands together. Yeah, come on. When you're an overseer, you can just go wherever you, you don't, you can just go wherever you want to go. You don't have to use the steps when you're an overseer. Yeah, there you go. Love you, man. Love you, man. Awesome. You can be seated. Man, I'm here to tell you that uh, there is only one person worthy of his name. It is not me. It is not Hope Church. It is not Wellspring Community Church. It is not you. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Can we give him some praise this morning? Wesley, don't leave yet. You grab Diana as well. Just come sit just here for just a second. I think April went to grab her too. Um, man, I'm thrilled to be here. I know that I'm on a time limit, but uh, I don't do well on time limits, so I'm going to do my best uh, to do that. 
Uh, but I just want to talk to you just for a second. Can I give you like a pre-sermon before the sermon? Is that okay? Oh, oh God, I got to do this. I got to give you some ground rules. Some of you have never, how many of you have never heard me preach before? Raise your hand, never heard me. Okay, good. So, but most of you, okay. So let me give you some ground rules, okay? Um, I, I may be different than what you've heard before, so I do better if you talk back to me. So you can say amen. Oh, me, that hurt. Ouch. Wow, I'm going to apply that to my life. I'm ignoring that. Whatever you want. But the more you talk back to me, the better today is going to go. Is that all right? Is that all right? So if I ask a question, that's just not a rhetorical question. That means you respond to me, okay? You won't hurt my feelings. Just don't boo me off the stage and we'll be just fine this morning, all right? All right? Um, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you, and, and he's leaving. I don't know where he's going. Um, but I wanted Wesley and Diana to be in here because uh, about two and a half years ago, um, we, we both planted churches at the very same time. And I just, I just want to let you inside of the window of a church planner because um, you don't know. You just don't know. You don't know what it's like. You, you don't know the pain. You don't know the anguish. There's a lot of joy moments, but I'm here to tell you when it comes to church planning, there's a lot of hurting moments. There's a lot of painful places. A lot of times we go home after a Sunday afternoon and, and we cry some tears I don't know, our sermon didn't work out. The offering wasn't as good as we wanted it to be. So-and-so didn't show up. There was a crying baby in service. I don't know what it may be, but it's always something. And I just want you to know that we don't get often to come over here. There's not many times we get to come over here and spend time with you. I pastor a small little church in Ruskin, and we have multiple services here, so preaching one time is amazing to me. And I was coming over, we sat on the couch, and we began to just watch um, what I wanted to watch TV, but they don't, can't afford cable or something, so we can only watch one game on ESPN. I'm slightly bitter because of it. But we're watching football, and I would have loved to say I spent time with Wesley and Diana today, this trip. Didn't happen. And I want to tell you why. Because your pastors love you. They spent hours and hours and hours to prepare what you get to receive on a Sunday morning. Diana was on her kitchen table doing God knows what. Wesley was at his couch underneath a blanket doing God knows what. But I kept asking him, what are you guys doing? And this is their answer. We got church tomorrow. We got things we need to do. And I want you to know that you've got incredible pastors who love you. And you're responsible, church. I don't get a chance to come and I got a sermon to preach, but I feel like this is the best part of the entire sermon. You've got a responsibility to pray for them, to encourage them. I'm gonna tell you, their marriage isn't perfect. Their marriage isn't what they wanted it to be. They need your prayers. Their kids aren't perfect pastor kids. They need your prayers. Their finances aren't what it used to be before they started a church. They need your prayers. Say, so what are you saying to me? I'm saying you've got a responsibility to pray for them. They covet your prayers. They need your prayers. Hey, the sermon was, eh, okay. Send them a text of encouragement anyways. The in-ears didn't work. The track didn't work this morning. Send Diana a text and say, worship was the best it's ever been. Do you hear what I'm saying today? I want to give you a passage of scripture before I give it, even get into God's word. You can write this down if you want. It's in Hebrews Chapter 13, don't leave Wesley and Diana. We're gonna honor you in just a second. I didn't tell you to leave. You leave when I tell you to leave, okay? Hebrews chapter 13. 
in verse 17. Can we stand and listen and honor God's word as we read this? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17. I'm reading out of the NLT. I don't know what version you guys use, so if that's the wrong version, I apologize. Wesley will fix whatever I say today, okay? Verse 17 says this. Obey your spiritual leaders. Now, we can stop right there, and we got enough sermon right there. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work to watch over your souls. You say, what, what's Wesley and Diana's job to watch over your souls? Why do they plan Christmas stuff? Why do they plan services? Why does she lead worship? Why does he prepare messages to prepare your soul? And they know they are accountable to who? Not to elders, not to overseers, not to you. They're accountable to God. These two individuals are gonna stand before God one day and they're gonna give an account for your soul. Not for whether you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but after you've trusted him as Savior, when he puts it, that your heart in their hands, how do they do? Look, that's a tough responsibility. Goes on, verse 17. Give them reason to do the joyful and not with sorrow. Let me repeat that again, because that's fun to hear. You ready for this? Give them reason to do this joyfully. Hallelujah, joyfully. Can we smile when I say the word joyfully? Not with sorrow. That would certainly not be your, for your benefit. Wesley and Diana, would you come up here for just a second? I just, I just want you to come up here and I just want to pray for you. I know you don't like this, but I don't get a chance. You don't have to invite me back if you don't want. But would you extend your hands? I just want to pray for them. Would you just extend your hands? You say, well, we don't do that normally. We do that in our church, and all it is is just, just, it's just a statement of faith, saying, I believe everything you're saying. Whether you know Wesley and Diana, whether it's your first time in church or you're visiting with us for the very first time, I just would love for you to extend your hand towards them, and let's pray for them. God, I pray, not only like me, I pray for this young couple in ministry. I pray for their marriage. I pray that you'd bind their hearts together like it's never been before. God, it's easy as church planners to go, separate ways and do ministry separately. I pray that you'd be the fuel to their fire. You'd be the fire to their soul. I pray for Judah and Selah and Trip and Hope. Thank you for the ones that have trusted you as Lord and Savior, but one of the most difficult positions in the church is to be the pastor's wife. Second to that is to be the pastor's kid. I pray that we would love on their kids like we do our own kids. We pray for this church. We pray for the second service. We pray for the finances that are needed to launch this second service. We pray that the men and women, the families in this church would give gracefully and hopeful to know that what they're giving to aren't two people, but what they're giving to is a hope for this community. But God, we understand this, that where Wesley and Diana go, so goes Hope Church. Keep them above reproach. Keep their spirits pure. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you give them applause like you've never given them before? You can be seated. Awesome. Can you start my timer over? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Awesome. Thrilled. Are you excited? Everybody good in church this weekend? Feeling good? Feeling good? Feeling good? Everybody good? Are you good in the back? Are you good back here? What's this, the overflow section right here? Love it. Okay, awesome. Awesome. How's this section doing? What about this section over here? What's the coolest section? What's the coolest section? 
Okay, all right, all right, awesome, awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be here, uh, honored to be here. Uh, I, I want to preach to you a message that has uh, burned in my spirit for my church, and I believe that it will burn in your spirit for this church as well. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. It was just one chapter uh, prior to what we just read. Let me, let me set the stage for you. Are you ready for God's Word? How many of you know it's, it's, it's the preaching of God's Word getting inside of your soul that changes you from the inside out? I love the worship. Come on, that was, I deserve better response than I got than one, yeah, I got it. Do you believe that the word of God getting in your soul can change your spirit? All right, that's better. That's what I expect the whole time through, all right? So let me set the stage for you. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. If Jesus had an all-star team, it would not include LeBron James. It would not include Michael Jordan. It would not include Wayne Gretzky. It certainly wouldn't include Tom Brady. It would include the men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 who've been there, done it, and they got the t-shirt to prove it. And the Bible mentions many of them, and I had this novel idea. What would it look like if we jumped into the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, and we brought out one by one the men and women of the old? I don't know about you, but they've been dead for thousands of years. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter one, it's gonna be our foundation chapter. Let's read it together today. The Bible says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, whether you know it or not, Hebrews chapter 12 is saying this, that we are in a race. In the race that we're in, there are men and women in the grandstands of our life. How many of you are sports people? Raise your hand. I know we got a guy who played for Ohio State. We got some cool people in the crowd. I understand that many of you, you understand the idea of sports. And when you play sports or you watch sports, there are men and women on the field, on the court, on the ice, on the rink, playing the sports. But in the grandstands, there are people cheering those players on. Do you understand that? And the Bible says this, we are all in a race. We're in a race. We're in a race and I had this idea, what would it look like if we invited Moses to come and run a lap with us? What would he have to say to us? Be, there'd be a few things he would love to share with us. The verse goes on. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, what I love about the writer of Hebrews, the the scholars are not completely sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. There's two or three that kind of rise to the surface on who may have written Hebrews, but we're unsure of who wrote Hebrews. But here's what the writer is saying, that you are in a race and your race is hard. Can I get an amen right there? How many of you can list one or two things that are a little bit difficult in your life? If you're married, that's one of them, amen? If you're raising kids, that's another one. I'm gonna get straight Pentecostal when I say this. If you're raising teenagers, how many know that's difficult? Hallelujah. And in a Pentecostal church, we go, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This race is hard. This race is difficult. And just like anything in life, you need some people that are kind of watching over your life. So what if we invited Moses out to run a lap with us? Goes on, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run, come on, say it like you mean it. Let us run with, come on, say it like a preacher, run with 
Endurance, endurance. This side didn't do real well, so let's do it again. Let us run with endurance. You can substitute that word endurance for faith. You say, why'd you drive from Ruskin to come to Winter Garden to preach to us today? Listen, if I could set you up to an IV system and I could drip something into your veins, you know what I drip into your veins? Faith, hope. Listen, some of you are in church today because your hope and your desire is today is better than yesterday. This year is better than last year. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you had a difficult 2017? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for 2018. 17 has been a little bit difficult. 16 was even harder. 15 was the hardest year of my adult life. And I'm thankful that when I get up in the morning, the Bible says that his mercies are new every single morning. It's not an old mercy. It's a brand new mercy that when you get up in the morning, you put your feet on the ground. God says, I'm going to give you faith and I'm going to give you hope to keep going. And the fact that we get to keep going is what keeps us going in the morning. Can I get an amen? So what's the point? We're going to invite Moses to come walk a lap with us. And he's been dead for thousands of years, so he's a little bit tired. He's got to put his Nike shorts on, his Nike shirts on, and his little spandex on. You know how it, come on, any runners in the house? Come on, put a little bio-freeze on. Come on, any runners in the house? You understand what I'm talking about. And we invite Moses to come run a lap with us. What would Moses say to us? If he ran just one lap with us, what in the world would Moses say to us today? If you're taking notes, by the way, if you got any notes, wave them in the air. I tell my church, you better take some notes in church because you're going to forget 90% of what I say. And I used to say this to my church, note takers go to heaven. You ain't going to heaven if you don't take notes, all right? If you're, if you're new to church, I'm totally kidding, all right? That was a joke, all right? So don't send Pastor Wes an email. But if you do, it's Wes at hopechurch.com, all right? So you got a problem with that. So take some notes, take some notes, take some notes, take some notes. Write this down. Here's the big thought is this. Moses would say to us, you're going to have to abandon safe and live by faith. You're going to have to abandon safe and live by faith. Now, if you know anything about Moses' life, Moses, the Bible says that uh, they were killing every firstborn in Israel. And Moses' mom got the brilliant idea that she was going to put Moses in a basket. If you've ever watched The Prince of Egypt, you know the story. And Moses' mom puts Moses in a basket and sends him down the Nile River. And a coincidence or a godidence, however you want to look at it, he actually lands on the bank of the Nile River. And Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter, who's the daughter of the leader of Egypt, finds Moses right there. And Moses grows up in a castle. Moses didn't just grow up rich. Moses grew up as a king, as a son of a king. It'd be like this. His, his refrigerator just wouldn't be full of food. He wouldn't go to the refrigerator to get food. The refrigerator came to him so he could have food. That's the life that Moses lived. We don't know a lot about a Moses' adult life, but his teenager's years, we don't know a lot about. But we find Moses, the very first place as an adult. And if you know the story, what does he do? Moses gets royally ticked off. Because one of his fellow Israelites was being abused by an Egyptian. And Moses takes matters into his own hands. And he kills the Egyptian. This sets some bad next days for him. And Moses finds himself in the desert, wandering and wandering 
and wandering. Listen to me, church. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But if anybody had the opportunity to play it safe, it would have been Moses. He had everything a boy could want. Every video game. Every song. Every computer. Every ball. Every sporting event. He could do whatever he wanted to. If anybody could have played it safe, it could have been Moses. But Moses abandoned safe to live by faith. Say safe. I want to talk to you today, if it's okay with you, church. Can I talk to you a little bit about the word safe? Oh, you ain't, you ain't want to respond to me today. Oh, you gave up on me? Can I talk to you a little bit about safe? I want to talk to you a little bit about safe because here's what I want to tell you about safe. Safe is one of the most dangerous places you can be in the spiritual realm. See, in the financial realm, it's good to save some money. Hallelujah. In the relational realm, it's good to put boundaries in your life and make sure you don't do this or you don't do that. But I'm here to tell you, in the spiritual realm, safe doesn't play well. Jesus doesn't do well with people who play it safe. He loves people. In fact, let me say this to you. He gets excited. Jesus gets giddy inside when he sees a group of people in Winter Garden, Florida, sitting in a Y called Hope Church, wearing their I love my church shirt, saying this, I'll step up, I'll abandon safe, and I'll live by faith. The moment a person says that is the moment Jesus says, oh, I'm gonna go get in that corner right there. I'll go have a conversation with that person. I could go do something with that person. That person and I can have some conversations. So if we believe together today that safe is one of the most dangerous places a Christian can live, then we got to understand some things about safe. And I want you to write this down. Safe will keep you trapped in the past. Safe will keep you trapped in the past. Can I hear an amen right there? Safe will keep you trapped in the past. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 says this. One day Moses was tending the flock by his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, say there, an angel of God. Say angel. Now, I will always tell you when I come and preach here, I will preach the word of God. And if I ever give you my opinion, I will let you know it's my opinion. This is my opinion based on the study that I have done. I believe that when the Bible says angel, it's actually Jesus Christ before he came in flesh. And I believe it was Jesus Christ who came to Moses. You say, why is this such a big deal? Moses had already tried to free the Israelites before, and he failed. It just didn't work. And God knew, if I'm going to get Moses' attention, if I'm going to get Moses' attention, I'm going to have to come to him in the most cray-cray way. And I'm going to come to him in the middle of a bush. Let's read on again. He appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flame, it didn't burn up. This is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. Now, it wasn't amazing that the bush was on fire. Because in Florida, when the weather gets under 80 degrees, how many of you know we doing bonfires outside in Florida? Isn't that the truth? You're like, you know, it's a little bit nippy out. It's like 77 degrees. Let's go do a bonfire. That's what we do in Florida, right? And so we understand, but here's what I know. And listen, I'm a simple guy from Ruskin. But here's what I know. If I'm gonna have a bonfire, 
My, my bonfire is gonna, it's gonna burn out unless I put more wood on the fire. Are you hearing me today? But for some reason, this bonfire wasn't burning up. That's why Moses said, I gots to go see it. I gotta go find out why it's not burning up. And it goes on, it says this. When the Lord saw Moses coming closer, he called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am. Moses replied, do not come any closer, which would not have been a problem for me. The Lord warned him, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Now listen to this. This is the biscuit before your lunch meal today. Listen to this. Listen to this. Yes, God said, I am aware of their suffering. Let me give you something to free that's not even in the sermon. You don't ever, 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 ever allow the devil to convince you that God doesn't care about your pain, that God doesn't notice what you're going through, that God doesn't see your marriage problems, that God doesn't see that you have financial struggles, that God doesn't see that you're going through pain. The devil wants nothing more to convince you that God doesn't love you anymore. But I'm here to tell you in church, come on, I'll preach it better than your respondent so far. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Devil wants to convince you that Jesus doesn't love you anymore. Your sin has been, it has messed you up. There's no way a God can love you. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing further from the truth. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He sees what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. Listen, he not only knows what you're going through, but he's at the, listen, listen, I ain't finished yet. He's at the finish line of your life, holding a medal to give to you, to prove to you that he's been with you the whole time. And he's at the end of the finish line, clapping it up, giving you a medal, saying, great job for completing that. Can I get an amen right there? Now go. Now hold up. No, no, now go. God says, now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Now this is a guy who had everything going for him. See, safe will keep you trapped in the past. I hear people all the time say to me, Pastor, you don't know what I go through. I don't know about Pastor West, but I have people coming to my office all the time. I just can't get over my marriage problems. I just, I just can't get over my financial problems. I, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. And they keep bringing up the past. And I'm gonna tell you, the windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. The windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror. Listen, I'm gonna, I came to church, I drove an hour and a half away with my three annoying kids to tell somebody in church just two. My oldest one's not too bad, okay? To tell somebody in church, listen, 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 listen. I don't know who I'm talking to. Stop looking in the rearview mirror. It's in the past for a reason. Safe will keep you trapped in the past. The Bible has put a windshield in front of you, of life in front of you. The wind, and some of y'all need to take the rearview mirror out of your car and throw it out the window, not literally, but figuratively. And say, you know what? I'm done looking in the past. I'm done, you know, I, yeah, I've been divorced, yeah, I've been divorced. I don't know if I can get in another relationship. Yes, you can. In the name of Jesus, you can. I've, I've had this addiction for too long. I can't do anything for Jesus. Yes, you can, church. I've, I've got this diagnosis from the doctor. I'm here to tell you that we serve the great physician, and his diagnosis matters more than the MD behind a doctor's name. If you're going to get in there, get in. Don't patty cake it, patty cake it okay? Get in there and clap it in. 
So what's your past look like? What do you keep looking at? Moses killed an Egyptian. I'm going to guess in church that the vast majority of us have never murdered somebody. Okay, you got some addiction in your past. Okay, you got a failed marriage in your past. Okay, you got a diagnosis. Okay, you ain't got no money in your bank account. Okay. But stop looking in the past and start looking in the forward. Are you hearing me in church? I'm going to give you a preacher sermon, right? Preacher scripture right here. If you can't can't preach this scripture right here, a pastor needs to get a new profession. Listen to this one, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget what has happened. I drove an hour and a half to tell somebody in church, you need to forget what's happened to you. No, you don't understand, pastor. You just don't understand what's happened to me. You just don't understand. You just don't understand. Listen, you're right. I don't understand and I don't know what's happened to you. But the last time I checked, you looking in the rearview mirror isn't helping you at all. So forget what's happened to you. Forget what's happened to you. I love this next part. This is in the message paraphrase. I love what it says. It says, don't keep going over old history. Stop looking at past chapters of your life. Move on. Rewrite your future. Rewrite it. Rewrite it. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm talking to somebody. I feel like the Lord just gave me this word as I was preaching. It's got a tingle in my body, and I feel like there's a word. I feel like there's a dating couple in church this weekend. I don't know who I'm talking to. There's a dating couple. And one of you, and you don't have to point out who it is, one of you said, I just wonder if there's somebody else out there for me. And I'm here to tell you the Bible says, there it is. There she is. There he is. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? I'm here to tell you who you're dating is a person you're supposed to be with. I don't know who that's for. But if it connects to the word of God and the community around you believe it, then you receive it from Jesus. Are you hearing me in church? Is this helping anybody? Because if it's not, I can get my pajamas and go preach from home. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. Moses killed an Egyptian had every reason to stay in the past. Number two, write this down. Safe will keep you satisfied with today. Safe will keep you satisfied with today. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you got a little past in your past? Got a little junk in a drunk. Come on, I'm preaching to anybody. And here's what happens. You get past it, and you get in the middle, and you go, whew, thank God I'm not there anymore. Thank God I'm not there anymore. And how many of you know, in, in, in one piece, that's a really good thing, Right? But here's what I feel like so many people in church are doing. You're staying satisfied with today because you're satisfied that you're not there tomorrow. But I'm here to tell you that tomorrow is better than your today. Anybody on this side hearing me? I feel like I got some good movement over here, a little bit of movement here. I feel like I got a little lackage over here, but I'll get, I'll get you before the end, okay? Are you following me? So what happens is we get to the middle and we get satisfied with today. It's like the old movie Hitch. You remember Hitch, the movie? Remember what happens with Kevin James? He's like this, dancing. And what does Will Smith do? He smacks him in the face. And he says, no, you stay right here. This is your safe zone. You know what I'm talking about? That works in a movie, but it doesn't work in the spiritual realm. You thank Jesus that you're not there anymore. But you only stay in today until he gives you what your tomorrow is supposed to be. See, safe will keep you satisfied. With today, Exodus 2.11, here it is. Scripture of him killing the Egyptian. 
many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and then he saw how hard they were forced to work during his visit. He saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. I'm sure this wasn't the first time Moses saw this. Peter flew off the handle, right? Little bipolar Peter was. Come on, right? We t- our church, our slogan is giving real people real hope in a real world. Listen, we tell our church, you, gotta, you can come in with your junk all you want. You ain't got to leave it at the door. Peter had a little bit of issues. But Moses, you didn't see that a whole lot in Moses' life. Flying off the handle. So I'm sure this wasn't the first time he saw it. He had seen this multiple times before. It would have been easy for him to stay safe right there. I mean, goodness, he had killed an Egyptian. He's in the desert. He's got connected to his own life. He's now working for his father-in-law, Jethro. Everything has worked out great, even though he did that. And then God comes to him. He says, oh, no, 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 no. I know you've been wandering for that 40 years. Listen, you've been wandering, you've been wandering, 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 wandering. No, 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 you've been satisfied with today. And I realize you gotta, you gotta be thankful for today, but oh, son, I got some better things for you tomorrow. How many of you believe by clapping of your hands, you believe your tomorrow is better than your today? You believe your tomorrow is better. You, you know why I know you believe that? That's why you're in church. You wouldn't be in church if you didn't think your tomorrow would be better than your today. You hearing me? And if you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, you're hoping today is better than your yesterday. Write this down. Don't ever get comfortable when you have the ability to do more. Don't ever get comfortable when you have the ability to do more. I'm here to tell somebody in church, God's called you to live a life of more. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 says this, that our God will do immeasurably, come on, what's it say, immeasurably? More. I don't know who I'm talking to, but the immeasurably more God wants to do is through you. Say me. It's through you. He wants to do immeasurably more through you, through you, through you. Don't get satisfied with today when God has something better out there tomorrow. Don't get satisfied with your relationship today when God wants to make your relationship even better tomorrow. I don't know if I got any business owners in church this weekend, but don't just be satisfied with your 2017 numbers because I believe that my God, I read the Bible for what the Bible says, and he's a God of more. And if he wants to do immeasurably more in my pocketbook, I'll take it. If he wants to do immeasurably more in my relationship, I'll take it. If he wants to do immeasurably more in my church, how many know we will take it? We'll take it. He's a God of more. Don't get satisfied when God's created you for more. So answer this question in your spirit. What's the more God's created you for? What's the more God's created you for? And then number three, number three, I'm gonna go over about five minutes. Sorry, Wes, all right? Number three, number three. If, 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 if the devil, if the devil can't keep you trapped in the past. And if the devil can't keep you satisfied in today, listen to me, I don't know who this is for, but he will keep you afraid of tomorrow. He'll keep you afraid of tomorrow. Safe will keep you afraid of tomorrow. Safe will keep you in the boat. I'm thankful that Peter got out of the boat. How about you? I'm thankful that Mary got out of her comfort zone. Oh, you don't know Mary, the mother of Jesus? When the angel of God came to her and said, hey, you're going you're gonna to birth God and you're going to do it without being with a man. Good luck. That doesn't work scientifically. 
it doesn't work. It would have been easy for Mary to go, you know what? I'm pretty good. Joseph and I are engaged. Life is going pretty good right here. I'm sure he's going to give us a baby the natural way. And God came to her, no, no, I don't do things natural. I do things supernatural. Listen, we don't serve a natural God. We serve a supernatural God. We can get enough enough natural stuff right here. I can go to Disney World and get a whole lot of natural stuff. And I know you were in Orlando and we're all Disney. You don't love Disney any more than I do. I love Disney. I love it. But I love a supernatural God. And I don't know, I don't know what's keeping you satisfied, church, right here for today. I don't know what it is. I don't know why you're satisfied with today. And I'm just asking you, I came all the way to tell somebody, take a step. Take a step. But, but I don't know where I'm stepping to. Let me tell you what tomorrow holds. Tomorrow holds the same thing today holds. And it's the fact that Jesus is in it. See, this is what I hear all the time in my church. I just don't, I just don't know, Pastor. I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't, I don't know if I can because I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And I, I, see, I'm not a counselor. I tell my church all the time I'm not a counselor. Don't come to me if you want counseling. I'll preach and I'll leave, but I don't counsel well because I straight up tell my people. I say, listen, yeah, you keep, you keep rapping and complaining that you don't know what tomorrow holds, but you don't realize that who holds your today is the same person that holds your tomorrow. We're patty caking again, okay? Get in there. Get in there. He holds your future. He holds your tomorrow. Write this down. I don't know who this is for, but it's for somebody. I feel like it's somebody on this side of the room right here. Something that God has for you is bigger than your capacity. Something that God has for you is bigger than your capacity. So what's your capacity? Don't raise your hand. What's your capacity? I can pretty much do this well. When God gets involved, he's going to make your this of that. He's going to make your this of those. He's going to make your this of them. That's what he does. He's a multiplying God, not an addition God. Are you hearing me in church? He's a multiplying God. He's not an addition God. And so what's the more that God wants to do? Why are you satisfied with today? And why are you afraid of tomorrow? Exodus 4.13. Maybe you find yourself right here. Listen to what Moses said. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anybody else. How many of you, by raising of your right hand, you have found yourself in a position going, God, I don't know if I have the ability to do that. Maybe somebody else can do that. Uh, Me, two years ago, starting a church. Simple guy from Ruskin. Not me. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. No, not me. Maybe you find yourself in that place going, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Here, can I encourage you with something? Is that okay if I give you a little encouragement? You don't want it? Come on, share it. Tell me you want it. Let me give you some encouragement. If you find yourself in that place going, I don't know if I can do it anymore. I don't know if I can do what God's called me to do. You're in a good place because you're in the same company of Jesus Christ. Let me remind you of what Jesus said. Just hours before he died, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. Do you remember that, church? Let this cup pass for me. Just let it pass. If there's anybody else that can do this, Father, let him do it. But at the end of it all, this is my prayer for you, and this is my hope, my prayer, your prayer for God. Is that you would say this, but not my will, but your will be done. See, at the end of the day, at the end of it all, you've got to realize that you can give your complainings. People, people say, well, I don't want to complain to God. God's okay with your complaints. Just at the end of all of your complaints, you say, but not my will, but your will be done.
Are you hearing me? And then Moses is going to take his trek back up to the stands of our life with the Marys and the Rahabs and the Daniels, the Jonas, the Abrahams, the Sarahs, the Pauls. And just before he goes up there, I would ask him one more thing. Moses, one more thing for us. And this is what I believe Moses would say. He would say this, faith living refuses to be defined by anything but God. Faith living refuses to be defined by anything but God. How many of you need a little bit more faith? Raise your left hand if you need a little bit more faith in your life. Your first step, church, I don't know who I'm talking to, but your first step, this side of the room, your first step is to allow the God of the universe to define your future. Not your spouse, not your kids, not a pastor, not an organization, not your job, not your weight, not your look, not your color, not your denomination, not the chair you're sitting in, but you allow the God of the universe to define your future. See, if you're going to get in there, let's get in there and clap, all right? I'm going to get you to clap, all right? Get on in there. So you have to ask yourself, are you going to allow the little K kings in your life to define your life? Or are you going to allow the capital K king to define your life? You get to choose that. Let me list some opportunities and then we're going to close. Jesus was just from Nazareth. He was just a carpenter. Moses was just the son of Pharaoh. How could he do anything for God? Noah had never seen rain before. There had never been a boat. Rebecca kept hearing, don't be generous, don't give, don't give, don't give. Jacob kept hearing, you've done too much wrong. You're a liar. You're a deceiver. You can't do anything for God. Mary kept hearing, there's no way you can birth God. You've never been with a man. David kept hearing, you're too small. Goliath's too big. Joshua and Caleb heard, they're giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers. And you know what Rahab heard? You've been with too many men. There's no way the God of the universe can forgive you. And every single man and woman I just mentioned to you and thousands of others had an opportunity. Will they live their life? Faith live their life. Serving the little K kings in your life. Or will they serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the sustainer of all of our life, the redeemer of all good things in our life. You, here's the beautiful thing. You get to choose. You get to choose. I don't know about you, but I get so sick and tired of serving the little K kings in my life. My bank account, my marriage issue, my financial troubles, text this morning about something crappy in my church that's going on right now. My volunteers won't wear a t-shirt because they want to dress up for church. That's what I deal with on a Sunday morning. Whatever. You understand what I'm saying? We all have opportunities, but you've got to choose little K-King or big K-King.